Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission... The battle over Northern California's largest homeless encampment, Wood Street in West Oakland. That community, home to about 300 people and spanning nearly 25 city blocks, has been under intense scrutiny. California's transportation agency, Caltrans, wants to evict roughly 200 of those residents from state property there. Back in July, smoke from a two-alarm fire at the camp stopped traffic on the 880 freeway, which sits above the Wood Street encampment. Days later, Caltrans issued eviction notices to the northern half of the encampment. The main reason the agency cited was fire. Officials have said they're worried about risk to the highway infrastructure, to nearby water treatment facilities, and unsafe living conditions in the encampment. Wood Street residents blame the fires on years of neglect that has left debris to collect at the encampment. Residents have organized to clear trash from the site, but without help from local government, it has continued to pile up. They're the ones that have been cultivating the fire and safety hazards by not investigating the fires. We've been asking for help with these issues for years. Every single thing that they quoted, we've tried ourselves to mitigate. After receiving the eviction notices, residents quickly came together and filed for a temporary restraining order, or TRO, against Caltrans and other organizations that own land at Wood Street. The judge upheld the TRO for more than a month, but that ended at a court hearing last week. This means that Wood Street's residents still face eviction, while people living on land owned by other entities nearby, including the city of Oakland, won't be targeted in this sweep. Chronicle East Bay reporter Sarah Ravani and Fifth and Mission producer Karen Creighton have both been reporting on the encampment. Karen, we hear the expression homeless encampment a lot around the Bay Area. It usually refers to a few tents on a side street. Tell us about the Wood Street encampment. The Wood Street encampment is massive. Uh, It feels like its own little neighborhood in Oakland. Like around 300 people live there, but the numbers are really hard to tell. I don't think anyone's really done a complete count. People have really lived here for a long time and really built a community. Some people told me they've lived here for as long as a decade. And people live in RVs, vans, cars. Uh, A lot of people have built makeshift shacks, some that are a couple stories high. And they've really made a home here. And it's huge. It spans maybe 25 city blocks located under the highway in West Oakland. It's really its own space. Sarah, we have seen a lot of large encampments spring up around the Bay Area. There's a affordable housing crisis and a homelessness crisis. Why is what happens at Wood Street important? Well, what we're seeing at Wood Street is kind of this tension that's playing out throughout the Bay Area and throughout the state at encampments in Santa Rosa, Sausalito, Berkeley had a similar issue, you know, even within the last few years, and also in Sacramento, where government is clearing out encampments. And the question that kind of comes from that is, are there enough resources for people Is there housing? Are there shelters? Are they sufficient? Is it working or is it just further displacing people and exacerbating the crisis? 
Sarah, let's talk about the governor's office. Earlier this month, they released a letter criticizing the city of Oakland's handling of the encampment. They threatened to pull funding if the city doesn't take responsibility for providing that shelter you talk about to people living there. Why was this so controversial? And how does it play into Gavin Newsom's larger plan for dealing with homelessness in the state? Well, one of the big issues with Wood Street is that the residents live on land that's owned by different entities. So some people live on land that's owned by the city. Some people own live on land that's owned by railroad companies. And some people live on land owned by Caltrans. And we saw this happen in Berkeley a few years ago with the Where Do We Go Berkeley um kind of issue that came up where residents are living on Caltrans land. Caltrans has identified it as a public safety hazard. They want to clear out the people living there, but they don't provide homeless services. They don't provide resources. They don't provide housing. And they rely on cities to do that. Caltrans doesn't provide housing. Caltrans does not provide housing. So in the case with Wood Street, when Caltrans put its notice out that it's going to sweep 200 residents, the city said they don't have enough resources to house 200 people. And what kind of played out in court was that it's kind of up to Caltrans to come up with a plan. And the governor's office basically said in a letter, look, Oakland, we've given you millions of dollars in homelessness funding. It is not enough for you to say that this is a Caltrans problem. You need to step up. Meanwhile, Karen, Wood Street residents released an open letter in this case uh, that accompanied their their seeking of the temporary restraining order. What did they say in that letter and what are they asking for? Yeah, so they released a letter basically following Governor Newsom's letter to the city of Oakland. And in this letter, residents are basically asking, you know, Caltrans, the city, all these organizations that own land, they're asking them to work with them uh, to create a stable, sustainable community, which kind of resembles how people live now. They were essentially asking for, you know, a place where they can live with a little bit of freedom, but with help from social services from the city. They're asking for clean bathrooms, running water, fire safety. They're really asking for cooperation in this letter. Sarah, but with this judge's ruling to lift the restraining order, what does that mean for residents? At the last court hearing last week, Oakland came with a plan. They said that they can help Caltrans close down the northern part of the encampment in phases, starting with about 40 residents in the first phase. They said, we have enough shelter space available for 40 people. The judge said that their plan was sufficient. So what will happen is that on Labor Day, Caltrans can post notices that it's going to start phase one of its clearing of 200 people. And that'll continue for several weeks. They can post new notices every two weeks. So phase one notices will be posted. The city and the county have two weeks to place those impacted in the first phase into shelter. And then in Once that two weeks is up, phase two can begin. How did residents react to that, Karen? Residents weren't necessarily surprised by the decision, but I think everybody was really saddened by it. And in a lot of ways, I think they felt like it was a bad faith decision, given that 40 shelter beds is not enough for the people who live in the northern side of the encampment. One resident estimated that number at around 80 people living in the north. So 40 beds would not be enough for those people. 
Not to mention that a lot of people have built really long-term living situations here. So a night in a shelter bed doesn't really compare to a space in an RV, living in a car, or some of the longer-term tiny homes that people have built out here. I spoke with one resident, John Janosko, who might explain it better than me. I didn't know it was going to like be so uh, abrupt, like at the beginning of the uh, of the hearing, that he, was, he basically said at the beginning that he's going to lift the TRO. Like we all know what that meant—that Caltrans uh, now can just come chomp through basically everything back there uh, without taking uh, any responsibility. And then no one's working together still, and they still haven't come down here to fucking talk to us. Give us a chance. I mean. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say because you would think that somebody there would be a little bit more understanding or willing to want to know what's going on or maybe somewhat of the root cause of how this all got created and started. And if we get to that, then maybe we could figure out something. That was John Janosko, a resident of the Wood Street Encampment in Oakland. We'll have more with Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani and Fifth and Mission producer Karen Creighton after a quick break. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth Emission. I'm Damian Bolwa. My guests are Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani and Fifth Emission producer Karen Creighton. We're talking about impending evictions at the Wood Street Encampment in Oakland, Sarah, we're seeing some of these same tensions in a number of cities when the government comes in and wants to clear an encampment, whether it's on a sidewalk or in a park or on a trail. Yes, but federal law requires that cities have to offer shelter to the residents that they want to evict. That's from the Martin v. Boise case. And separate from that, Oakland, when they passed their encampment management policy, which basically states where unhoused people can live on the street, they specified that the city must offer residents a shelter before closing an encampment down. And the state recently gave Oakland $4.7 million to come up with a shelter plan at Wood Street. How is that going to be used here? Yes. Yeah, so this was also part of the contention that Governor Newsom's office had with the city. They were arguing that we just gave you these millions of dollars, so it has to be you know, you have to use part of it for dealing with the residents on our property, too. So the plan that Oakland came up with that they presented to the judge last week was that they're going to open a 50-bed community cabin site at Wood Street, and they'll reserve half of those beds for residents that are living on the Caltrans side of the encampment. Let's listen to a former Wood Street resident, Tennessee Jen explaining how the process works for unhoused people looking to get into housing. Well, one way to get housed in Oakland is you have to go through a, the, an emergency shelter, like the tub sheds or some, some, other, some other form that's completely unacceptable, yeah. like, uh, like, dorms, like a dorm setting. And, um, and, and there you get housing navigators and case managers. Okay, so, so that's, the only way to, that's the only way to get housing in Oakland. Why don't they spend the resources on sending people down here, down to where they are, meet them where they are, do the housing navigation from here, do the case management from here, and then maybe they can actually make some progress instead of just coming and kicking everybody off and spreading them out throughout the city, which they're not going to like any either because now everybody's going to be wherever, all over the place. Karen, how did residents respond to the offer of shelter beds here? I think a lot of people weren't surprised that that was the offer that was made. They've really 
felt very poorly treated over the years and have been pretty jaded by previous evictions they've experienced. And, you know, I think a lot of people felt it was a pretty insulting offer. And one person I spoke with, Lydia Bloomberg, has a pretty good explanation of that. Well, I have a bed. I have a shelter. Um, I have a whole community. To be offered a shelter bed is, is like asking someone to give up everything they own and their dog and their significant other to um, go sleep somewhere for the night with no protection and have to leave in the morning um, and not have any of the things that you need. It's just, it just makes me really incredulous to think that like they think that that's a solution that anybody would want. Sarah, let's talk about the fires at the Wood Street encampment. Since July's two-alarm fire, there have been several other blazes there. What is being done to prevent those fires? The residents say that the city does not do anything to help them with preventing the fires. They raised this in interviews, and they also raised it in court last week and last month. They have asked the city to provide dumpsters, They have asked the city to provide fire extinguishers, and the residents themselves say that they have set up a fire watch among themselves where they keep an eye out for smoke or for flames so that they can alert one another so that the fires don't end up in a tragic way. But in terms of, you know, providing fire extinguishers, The city says that's not something that they would consider doing. They don't provide fire extinguishers to other entities in Oakland. They say that fire extinguishers are combustible devices that can be dangerous if they're engulfed in a fire or used incorrectly, and it can cause injury or death. And what about the government officials? Do they think fires are basically inevitable at an encampment like this, or why do they think they're happening? When I spoke to the fire department last week, they said that For a lot of the fires, they haven't been able to determine a cause, but for those that they have been able to determine a cause for, the causes are typically residents who are cooking or arson in some cases. Karen, what happens if people don't want to leave or if they refuse to leave the encampment? The judge said in the ruling, essentially, that if people didn't want to accept the offers of shelter beds, that they would still have to leave. And I think Residents have known this for a while. I don't think that came as a surprise for them. But this could definitely result in people moving to other land owned by other entities nearby, like the city and the railroad. It could really push people into the nearby community. And I think this raises a lot of questions for advocates and for those in the community about whether this will really alleviate the issues at Wood Street. There's a real concern among this community and their advocates that this isn't a solution and won't solve the long-term problems that we've seen at Wood Street. And Karen, what do residents envision for their future at Wood Street and beyond? Yeah, I think residents right now are debating, you know, whether they're going to be able to stay at Wood Street. They're trying to decide what their future could look like. A lot of people envision a kind of cooperative community where they'll have uh, a dog park, uh, bathrooms, protected cooking spaces where they don't have to worry about fire risk, tiny homes for people to live in, and a kind of a flexible situation where people can receive social services, receive the help they need, and also have the freedom to live the way they want to. Karen and Sarah, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Damian. Thank you. Thanks to both of my guests today. Sarah Ravani is The Chronicle's East Bay reporter. 
and Karen Creighton is a producer for Fifth and Mission. Regretfully, today's episode is Karen's last, as she's moving on to a new opportunity. On behalf of everyone that contributes to this show, we want to thank Karen for the great work she's done at The Chronicle, and we also want to wish her the very best in the future. Thanks also to King Kaufman, who with Karen Creighton produced this episode, and thank you for listening.